O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom for ever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Thursday, October 14th. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there, but there is nothing like listening to the crystal clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit. As it is written in Romans 10:17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit, as it is written in Isaiah 55:11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Bred Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Lech Lecha. Genesis 14, 21-15-6 The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods you have recovered. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I am the one who made Abram rich. I will accept only what my young warriors have already eaten, and I request that you give a fair share of the goods to my allies, Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Sometime later the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you have given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. 
Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted counted him as righteous because of his faith. Jeremiah 23, 21-25, 38 I, the Lord, have not sent these prophets, yet they run around claiming to speak for me. I have given them no message, yet they go on prophesying. If they had stood before me and listened to me, they would have spoken my words, and they would have turned my people from their evil ways and deeds. Am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth? I have heard these prophets say, Listen to the dream I had from God last night. And then they proceed to tell lies in my name. How long will this go on? If they are prophets, they are prophets of deceit, inventing everything they say. By telling these false dreams, they are trying to get my people to forget me, just as their ancestors did by worshipping the idols of Baal. Let these false prophets tell their dreams, but let my true messengers faithfully proclaim my every word. There is a difference between straw and grain. Does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord? Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? Therefore, says the Lord, I am against these prophets who steal messages from each other and claim they are from me. I am against these smooth-tongued prophets who say, This prophecy is from the Lord. I am against these false prophets. Their imaginary dreams are flagrant lies that lead my people into sin. I did not send or appoint them, and they have no message at all from my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. Suppose one of the people, or one of the prophets or priests, asks you, What prophecy has the Lord burdened you with now? You must reply, You are the burden. The Lord says He will abandon you. If any prophet, priest, or anyone else says, I have a prophecy from the Lord, I will punish that person along with his entire family. You should keep asking each other, What is the Lord's answer? Or, What is the Lord saying? But stop using this phrase, Prophecy from the Lord. For people are using it to give authority to their own ideas, turning upside down the words of our God, the living God, the Lord of heaven's armies. This is what you should say to the prophets. What is the Lord's answer? Or, what is the Lord saying? But suppose they respond, this is a prophecy from the Lord. Then you should say, this is what the Lord says, because you have used this phrase, prophecy from the Lord, even though I warned you not to use it. I will forget you completely. I will expel you from my presence along with this city that I gave to you and your ancestors, and I will make you an object of ridicule, and your name will be infamous throughout the ages. 
After King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon exiled Jehoiakim, son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, to Babylon, along with the officials of Judah and all the craftsmen and artisans, the Lord gave me this vision. I saw two baskets of figs placed in front of the Lord's temple in Jerusalem. One basket was filled with fresh, ripe figs, while the other was filled with bad figs that were too rotten to eat. Then the Lord said to me, What do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, Figs, some very good and some very bad, too rotten to eat. Then the Lord gave me this message. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The good figs represent the exiles I sent from Judah to the land of the Babylonians. I will watch over and care for them, and I will bring them back here again. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. I will give them hearts that recognize me as the Lord. They will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me wholeheartedly. But the bad figs, the Lord said, represent King Zedekiah of Judah, his officials, all the people left in Jerusalem, and those who live in Egypt. I will treat them like bad figs, too rotten to eat. I will make them an object of horror and a symbol of evil to every nation on earth. They will be disgraced and mocked, taunted and cursed, wherever I scatter them. And I will send war, famine, and disease until they have vanished from the land of Israel, which I gave to them and their ancestors. This message for all the people of Judah came to Jeremiah from the Lord during the fourth year of Jehoiakim's reign over Judah. This was the year when King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon began his reign. Jeremiah the prophet said to all the people in Judah and Jerusalem, For the past twenty-three years, from the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah son of Ammon, king of Judah, until now, the Lord has been giving me his messages. I have faithfully passed them on to you, but you have not listened. Again and again the Lord has sent you his servants, the prophets, but you have not listened or even paid attention. Each time the message was this, Turn from the evil road you are traveling and from the evil things you are doing. Only then will I let you live in this land that the Lord gave to you and your ancestors forever. Do not provoke my anger by worshiping idols you made with your own hands. Then I will not harm you. But you would not listen to me, says the Lord. You made me furious by worshiping idols you made with your own hands, bringing on yourselves all the disasters you now suffer. And now the Lord of Heaven's army says, Because you have not listened to me, I will gather together all the armies of the north under King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, whom I have appointed as my deputy. I will bring them all against this land and its people and against the surrounding nations. I will completely destroy you and make you an object of horror and contempt and a ruin forever. I will take away your happy singing and laughter. The joyful voices of bridegrooms and brides will no longer be heard. Your millstones will fall silent, and the lights in your homes will go out. This entire land will become a desolate wasteland. Israel and her neighboring lands will serve the king of Babylon for seventy years. Then, 
After the 70 years of captivity are over, I will punish the king of Babylon and his people for their sins, says the Lord. I will make the country of the Babylonians a wasteland forever. I will bring upon them all the terrors I have promised in this book, all the penalties announced by Jeremiah against the nations. Many nations and great kings will enslave the Babylonians, just as they enslaved my people. I will punish them in proportion to the suffering they cause my people. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled to the brim with my anger, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink from it. When they drink from it, they will stagger, crazed by the warfare I will send against them. So I took the cup of anger from the Lord and made all the nations drink from it, every nation to which the Lord sent me. I went to Jerusalem and the other towns of Judah, and their kings and officials drank from the cup. From that day until this they have been a desolate ruin, an object of horror, contempt, and cursing. I gave the cup to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, his attendants, his officials, and all his people, along with all the foreigners living in that land. I also gave it to all the kings of the land of Uz and the kings of the Philistine cities of Ashkelon, Gaza, Ekron, and what remains of Ashdod. Then I gave the cup to the nations of Edom, Moab, and Ammon, and the kings of Tyre and Sidon, and the kings of the regions across the sea. I gave it to Dedan, Tema, and Booz, and to the people who live in distant places. I gave it to the kings of Arabia, the kings of the nomadic tribes of the desert, and to the kings of Zimri, Elam, and Media. And I gave it to the kings of the northern countries, far and near, one after the other, all the kingdoms of the world. And finally, the king of Babylon himself drank from the cup of the Lord's anger. Then the Lord said to me, Now tell them, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, Yahweh Sabaoth, the God of Israel, says, Drink from this cup of my anger, get drunk and vomit, fall to rise no more, for I am sending terrible wars against you. And if they refuse to accept the cup, tell them, The Lord of heaven's armies says, You have no choice but to drink from it. I have begun to punish Jerusalem, the city that bears my name. Now should I let you go unpunished? No, you will not escape disaster. I will call for war against all nations of the earth. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Now prophesy all these things and say to them, The Lord will roar against his own land from his holy dwelling in heaven. He will shout like those who tread grapes. He will shout against everyone on earth. His cry of judgment will reach the ends of the earth, for the Lord will bring his case against all nations. He will judge all the people of the earth, slaughtering the wicked with the sword. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look, disaster will fall upon nation after nation. A great whirlwind of fury is rising from the most distant corners of the earth. In that day, those the Lord has slaughtered will fill the earth from one end to the other, 
No one will mourn for them or gather up their bodies to bury them. They will be scattered on the ground like manure. Weep and moan, you evil shepherds. Roll in the dust, you leaders of the flock. The time of your slaughter has arrived. You will fall and shatter like a fragile vase. You will find no place to hide. There will be no way to escape. Listen to the frantic cries of the shepherds. The leaders of the flock are wailing in despair, for the Lord is ruining their pastures. Peaceful meadows will be turned into a wasteland by the Lord's fierce anger. He has left his den like a strong lion seeking its prey, and their land will be made desolate by the sword of the enemy and the Lord's fierce anger. Second Thessalonians 2, 1-17 Now, dear brothers and sisters, let us, Paul and his co-workers, clarify some things about the coming of our Lord Yeshua and how we will be gathered to meet him. Don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. Don't believe them even if they claim to have had a spiritual vision, a revelation, or a letter supposedly from us. Don't be fooled by what they say, for that day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the one who brings destruction. He will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God and every object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God, claiming that he himself is God. Don't you remember that I told you about all this when I was with you? And you know what is holding him back, for he can be revealed only when his time comes. For this lawlessness is already at work secretly, and it will remain secret until the one who is holding it back steps out of the way. Then. The man of lawlessness will be revealed, but the Lord Yeshua will slay him with the breath of his mouth and destroy him by the splendor of his coming. This man will come to do the work of Satan with counterfeit power and signs and miracles. He will use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived, and they will believe these lies. Then they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. As for us, we can't help but thank God for you, dear brothers and sisters loved by the Lord. We are always thankful that God chose you to be among the first to experience salvation a salvation that came through the Spirit who makes you holy and through your belief in the truth. He called you to salvation when we told you the good news. Now you can share in the glory of our Lord Yeshua. With all these things in mind, dear brothers and sisters, stand firm and keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. Now, May our Lord, Yeshua HaMashiach himself, and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say.
Psalm 84, 1-12 How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies! I long, yes, I faint with longing, to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what a joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O Lord God of heaven's armies, Yahweh Sabaoth, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob. O God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Proverbs 25.15 Patience can persuade a prince, and soft speech can break bones. I want to speak to you today from Genesis chapter 15, and then we're going to do, uh, we'll look into 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But before I get into Genesis chapter 15, I want to give a little bit of background and context. And I want to speak to you about what the Melchizedek priesthood was and what the expectations and the role of the Melchizedek priesthood was. So in the beginning, before the golden calf incident of idolatry, the firstborn son of every family was expected to walk in the Melchizedek priesthood role. What did that entail? It meant that if any family member fell into dire straits or into reversal or catastrophe, the eldest son was to, as the Melchizedek priest, was to step in and redeem the situation, rescue that person, help that family member out. Um, And of course, Yeshua is our great high priest. He is in the office of the Melchizedek priesthood. Now, in chapter 14, Abram rescues Lot from uh, captivity. He's been taken captive by the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abram mounts up a rescue party, and he goes in and he rescues his nephew Lot and brings him back home. He was functioning as a Melchizedek priest in doing that. Now remember, Abram at this time is still childless, He has no children of his own. And in some ways, Lot has been kind of a thorn in his flesh. He has treated Lot as though it were his own son. But Lot is his nephew. And remember, Lot chose the better for himself. Um, 
he chose the green plain and he chose to go live in Sodom. And so Abram was left with the wasteland, the desert wasteland, which actually turned out to be the promised land. But Lot was, uh, you know, kind of weak and compromising and wanting an easier way, a more comfortable life. And so Abram did rescue him. He passed a test. Lot was sort of the problem child. And Abram went and rescued him. And so because Abram passed the test of functioning as a Melchizedek priest in uh, rescuing a family member that was in dire distress, there's a reward. Abram has passed the test. And in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, and I'm going to read this in the New King James Version. I like that translation better for this verse. It says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. So basically God is saying, I'm your reward and I am your shield and don't be afraid. And then Abram has a, you know, we get to listen in on their conversation. He's got a real relationship with the father. And he says, but Lord, what will you give me? I'm childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And then the Lord um, renews the covenant promise that he's given to him. In verse 4, he says, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then it goes on to expand upon this covenant promise. Look now toward the heavens and count the stars. If you're able to number them, so shall your descendants be. And in verse 6, he believed Yahweh and Yahweh credited it to him for righteousness. So what made him righteous was that he believed God's promise. He put faith in what God said in God's word. So, this is an important principle to understand that when we function in the role of Melchizedek priest, and when we pass the test and lay down our life for the sake of another, um, then there is a, a, an exceedingly great reward that comes from the Lord for us. Now, the Melchizedek priesthood got sort of benched or shelved, put aside after the golden calf incident and that priesthood role was set aside and what replaced it was the levitical priesthood the levites stood with moses and said no we're not going to worship the golden calf we stand with you moses and we stand with the god of israel we stand with the word the torah and so that priestly function was transferred to the levitical priesthood to the levites of course, throughout the Old Testament, as you read it, we see that the Levite priests failed in their function, and they got into idolatry, they got into compromise and wickedness, they chased after other foreign gods, they didn't take care of the widows and the orphans, and so this is why when Yeshua came, the Melchizedek priesthood is revived and restored and taken off the shelf. Now, the Levitical priesthood is not done away with, it operates in tandem and in parallel with the Melchizedek priesthood. But the Melchizedek priesthood, as if you study Hebrews, and particularly Hebrews, um, the first early chapters, it's better 
it's it doesn't replace but it's better it's it's superior to the levitical priesthood the Levit levitical priesthood will be used in the third temple when the third temple is restored revived when it's rebuilt when we see the third temple come there will be a levitical priesthood that will do priesthood duties in that temple so it has not been done away with okay so Abram gets a reward. And what is that reward? Because he took time to go and rescue Lot and bring him home. God rewards him with a promise that you're going to have your own son. And so that's what we do. We are to lay down our life for the sake of the brethren, for our family members, for our fellowship. And when we do that, God promises I am your shield, and I am your exceedingly great reward. He will reward us. And however that looks, it may be different for each person. Okay, now I want to jump into 2 Thessalonians. And this is talking about the man of lawlessness being revealed, the Antichrist. He brings destruction, and he has counterfeit power and counterfeit signs and miracles. And he's very deceptive, evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth. Now I'm in verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10. Because they refuse to love and accept the truth that would save them. So God will cause them to be greatly deceived and they will believe these lies. Now, I think I like the New King James Version uh, translation better for those verses. So I'm going to look at it again in the New King James. So what brought a real keen interest in these verses for me is there's tremendous deception going on right now in the world, particularly on the topic of COVID virus and the COVID jab. I won't call it a vaccine because it's not a vaccine. It's experimental drug therapy. And it has mRNA in it, which changes your DNA. And there's been all kinds of vaccine um, damage and adverse reactions and even death because of this jab. And so a lot of people are deceived and they've been brainwashed and programmed and they're drinking the mainstream Kool-Aid. And have you ever had this experience where you try to reason and bring logic and bring facts and bring data uh, that you've done the research regarding the effects that the jab is having upon people, but certain other, other people have made up their mind and there's nothing you can say to change their mind. They've just made up their mind and nothing that you share will, they just close their ears and their minds and their hearts. What's that about? Why is that? What I've learned is I can't even talk about it with certain people. We just avoid the subject because all it does is bring division. Why is that? I believe it's because of the spirit of delusion. So let me read this again in, um, in the King James. I like the King James version of this verse the best because my, my prayer has been, Lord, show me how to pray for family members and loved ones who are being deceived. How do I pray for them? Help me understand how to pray for them. And so 
Verse 10, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And I, th- I believe, beloved, right now that there is a strong deluding spirit. Notice who it comes from. It comes from God. God sends the deluding spirit. And who comes under that deluding spirit? Those who do not love the truth and seek the truth. Now, that word delusion in the Greek is plane. And what it means is a wandering, a straying about, one led astray from the right way, roaming hither and thither, mental straying. Wrong opinion relative to morals or ethics. Error which shows itself in action. A wrong mode of acting. And so, basically, how what, what I see in these verses is that we can begin to pray for loved ones who are under this deluding spirit. That they would love truth and they would seek truth. Now, what is truth? Truth is not just a set of principles or doctrines or a set of rules or regulations. Truth is a person. And that person is Yeshua. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So we want to pray for loved ones who are under this delusion that they would seek truth and love truth and that they would encounter Yeshua, that they would truly meet him. And that Yeshua would, re- would reveal himself to them. And that, that then they would come out of the deception and out of the delusion. So um, it's a spiritual battle. So we cannot use reason or logic, data or facts or statistics that will not do it. This is a battle, beloved, that we have to fight in our prayer closets in prayer. To contend for loved ones that have been taken Uh, under this delusion spirit. And much of it is propagated through the mainstream media, through CNN, Facebook, um, ABC, NBC, you know, all, all the mainstream media outlets, they're spouting the delusion and the lie and, you know, um, the script that's been given to them. They're simply puppets and mouthpieces. So there's got to be a love for the truth. And this is why it's so good, so important to be in the word every day, to renew your mind with the Word of God, which is truth. It's the plumb line. And um, to, to have God's thoughts in your mind and in your heart, Yeshua's thoughts in your mind and in your heart. So, Heavenly Father, we do lift up loved ones that are caught up under this deluding spirit that is so prevalent out there around the world doctors and nurses and hospitals and family members and co-workers that uh, have um, picked up the narrative that's being spouted and and follow it and believe it and and aren't questioning aren't doing their research aren't doing their due diligence and father we just pray that these people would love truth and would seek truth and that they would have an encounter with Yeshua HaMashiach, the living Christ, and that you would rescue them and redeem them and bring them out of darkness and into your glorious light.
Bring them into your camp, into your kingdom. We contend for them. We intercede for them. And we pray that you will rescue and redeem. It is not your will for any to perish, but for all to come into your kingdom. So we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the plumb line of your truth. May you write your word upon our hearts daily. Get it into our spirit. We love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Adonai Adonai the ironic blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24-26 Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.